Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Revival Cry. This is Eric Miller. So happy that we have this time together today. Praise the Lord. You know, I'm amazed that we're already coming to the end of the month of January. It seems like this year has taken off very quickly. It's in our second week now, I think, that we're on the radio. And it's just what an opportunity that we have to reach millions of people for Jesus. And so if you're listening on Mango Radio, let us know where you're listening from. Maybe you're listening later on our podcast or even watching our YouTube channel called Revival Cry. Always remember, you can send us a message at info at revivalcry.org or on Facebook and Instagram. We would love to be able to pray for you and hear how the Lord is using this program to encourage you and to strengthen your faith in the Lord Jesus. You know, I have a message that I want to share with you today. It's called Serving Tradition to Reveal Relationship. And before I get into that, I have a song that I'd like to play. It's actually an old hymn. And maybe your church, you're not familiar with some of these older hymns. And, you know, a lot of people listen to the newer worship music that's out there. And it's wonderful. But I like some of the older hymns because it really, uh, the artists of, of those years gone by, they really captured, I think, not just songs, but prayers to God. One of those songs was written by uh, Charles Wesley, and it's called, And Can It Be? And Can It Be That I Should Gain? It is from the United Methodist Church. You'll hear it in just a moment here, but I want to give you a little bit of background of it. It's probably the most famous song of the Methodist hymnal. And on Pentecost Sunday on May 21st, 1738, three days before Charles' brother John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, had his heart strangely warmed. He had encountered the living Jesus He was visiting a friend who was a poor mechanic and he heard the voice of the Lord say to him, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, arise and believe and thou shalt be healed of your infirmities. The voice was most likely the sister of the mechanic who felt commanded to say these words in a dream. And This is the recounting of what happened. Charles gets out of bed and he opens his Bible to read from the book of Psalms. And it says, 
He has put a new song in my mouth, even a hymn of praise to our God. You know the verse, right? Followed by Isaiah chapter 40, comfort, comfort my people, says God. He wrote in his journal, I have found myself at peace with God and rejoice in the hope of the love of Christ. So he has this radical encounter with God. And they were very religious and very traditional, but now he encounters the living Jesus. What this young lady, the the sister of this mechanic, had said to Charles was so convicting that it moved him. And he wrestled with these words until faith was birthed in his heart and he was, as we say, born from above or born again. And soon after this conversion, he wrote the song, And Can It Be That I Should Game. And so as you listen to that song right now, I just want you to think about a heart that is open to the Lord and has been radically impacted by the gospel. My Savior's blood He died for me And I caused His pain It was for me Who Him to death It was flaming! 
what a powerful song that was. I want to talk to you about serving tradition to reveal relationship. You know, there's a lot of church splits that take place all over the world. And a lot of times they take place for very ridiculous reasons. You know, the type of music we play or clothing we wear. And obviously we're talking about modesty. We're talking about uh, music that glorifies Jesus, that lifts up the name of God. Uh, sometimes, you know, just the design of the church, you know, the building itself, uh, you know, something has changed, you know, the uh, pulpit is moved or, uh, you know, there's there's so many different things that people get all bent out of shape, <laughs> you know, and, and it's sad because we have to endeavor to keep unity, right? Isn't it in John chapter 17 where Jesus is playing, praying for the unity of the church, that those who don't get to see him while he's alive on the earth would have a great unity as he is with the Father in agreement and unity. And so I, I think it's amazing that there's little things sometimes that throw us off to keep us from striving to be in unity. When I first heard the gospel, I grew up in upstate New York, about an hour north of New York City. And there's a lot of old churches up there. The church I was attending was called the Ridgeberry Presbyterian Church. We had never really gone to church. I mean, we said that we were Catholic, but we didn't even go to the Catholic church except twice a year, really for Christmas and Easter. And that was because they had food after the service. So it, there was no reason for us to go to church. We were very uh, devoted to this world and to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We were far from God, my family was. But then we had this Presbyterian minister who knocked on the door of our house when we moved into this new region. He knocked on the door of our house every week for one year. And when we started going into the churches, 180 years old, they have these old pipe organs and the hard wooden pews, seats, and... <laughs> You know, it looked like a church of what most people think a church building looks like. But yet, even though there was a lot of tradition, even though they sang some older songs, the fact of the matter was that the Holy Spirit was clearly evident in this church. And you say, how do you know the Holy Spirit was there? Well, we saw the fruit of changed lives. The pastor led us to the Lord. And, and even though it would be several years before I really surrendered to God, it was the seeds that were sown in my life from that pastor and his family and in that church that really started everything in my heart beginning to go after Jesus. And so, you know, in my experience over the years, I didn't grow up in a Pentecostal charismatic church, even though that's primarily most of the churches that I speak in today. But I have experience where, you know, we go to some 
churches that we might think are traditional and it's easy for us to say, well, they're not as on fire because they're not singing the latest song or maybe they haven't updated what their church looks like from when it was originally built or anything like that. You know, maybe the pastor even wears a robe and things like that. Now, I'm not here to discuss what is good or what is bad tradition because anything can be good and anything can be bad it depends on where our focus is with Jesus if it's all about Jesus and we grow up used to very traditional things but yet he's changed our lives and we're bearing the fruit of a repentance lifestyle then you know it's not we're, we're not to judge the way that each other dresses and and what type of songs we sing we're supposed to see if somebody's really on fire to me it means that they're going after God that they have a intimate relationship with Jesus and they hunger and thirst for the presence of the Lord for holiness in their life and so, you know, it's easy sometimes to point the finger at somebody else and say they're religious or they're traditional. Well, in Acts 14, verse 26, Paul was asked to participate in a traditional Jewish purification. And this is after he's born again. Remember, in Acts 9, Paul was on the road to Damascus and encountered Jesus and was born again. Now we're in Acts 21. This is a long period of time after his conversion. And it says, The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. So he was asked to participate in this traditional thing that he grew up doing, this traditional purification, but I would think that this was very challenging to Paul because he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the Torah. Paul had memorized the uh, book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Have you ever just tried to read through uh, the book of Numbers? and go through all the genealogies and things, sometimes it can be a bit challenging to stay focused. But yet Paul grew up with so many good traditions and things that prepared him for Jesus. And even though he was persecuting Christians before he met Jesus, it was because he wasn't born again yet. It was because Paul had a lot of information in his head and a lot of traditions, but until Jesus became a reality to him, he didn't have revelation. And after he has this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, he's now asked to participate in this traditional purification. And so I would think that all of what he knew in the law, the prophets, and the religious systematic theology that he grew up with, that you know, he was a lot like us. You know, just like Paul, we put our faith in Jesus and we believe that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. 
and he makes us righteous and holy. We're justified, right? We no longer need to go through any other traditions or to go through a man or a woman or some type of religious system in order to get to God. No, the veil has been torn when Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And at the same time, a veil has been removed from our eyes when we get born again. And we now have complete access to God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? God, the Holy Spirit. And and so this is what Jesus does for us. So Paul's asked to go and participate in these old traditions that he had grown up doing, and he does it. And none of these traditions were drawing him away from God. In fact, Paul had a totally different perspective. And so the question is, why would Paul submit himself to these old traditions? Paul had had such a transformation of meeting Jesus in Acts chapter 9 that he becomes a missionary. Do you know that as soon as someone is saved, they repent of their sin, they become born again, that they become a missionary? What are you talking about, Eric? Well, Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. He said, go make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the point is, is that when you're born again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, as we're reconciled to Christ, we immediately become ministers of reconciliation. Okay, maybe you're not ready to be a pastor. Maybe you're not called to be on a platform of some sort in leading at that moment. But as soon as we have a testimony in Jesus, we could disciple somebody else by telling them how God's changed our lives. And many times people don't serve God right away in the ministry because they have to mature. They have to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. They got to learn how to grow in opening their heart and and being real with God and, and, you know, repenting of sin and taking ownership, responsibility of their life, learning how to walk in obedience. And as they do those things, I believe there's a gradual desire that what's already within us when we're born again now becomes responsibility to us. Where now we identify with Jesus. We become crucified with Christ and we become one spirit with him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. We become missionaries, emissaries, right? He was willing to do, Paul was willing to do whatever it took to see the lost saved. He didn't go be a part of traditions because uh, he wasn't seeking and pursuing God. He never compromised God's word after he encountered the Lord. And he looked at God's grace and he said, I never want to take it for granted. He planted seeds among those who still needed Jesus. You know, unfortunately, many times when Christians get born again, they they hear from people that they need to just be completely separate from the world. Now, I totally agree that we need to stop sinning. And that's what we mean. 
but we're still living in this world, although we're not of this world anymore. So we're citizen, our citizenship changes, right? From not only being citizens of the United States or the Philippines or China or some other nation, but we become citizens of heaven. We have to represent the kingdom of heaven on earth. Jesus died not just so that we would go to heaven and be with him for eternity, but so that we would share the gospel, the good news, and be missionaries to those who are our neighbors and those around the world. You see, God doesn't want us to serve him just because he needs us to serve him. God could do this entire thing on his own. But God gets tremendous glory when people become unashamed of the gospel and Jesus establishes testimony in their lives and they say, I, I want to know you and I want to make you known. Amen. Listen, I want to encourage you today. Not all traditions are bad. Maybe you're in your church and you're thinking, I'm not sure if I should stay here. They're not really on fire like I am or others in the church are. Friend, I want to encourage you to be a witness for Jesus. Even in the church, there's a lot of people who know about God but may not know God. Whatever your issue is, make sure it's not an offense. Make sure you're not leaving a church just because somebody offended you or said something you didn't like. You see, as mature believers in Jesus, we need to be able to take a punch on the chin and get back up, dust ourselves off and say, I forgive you. Listen to this in Romans 9, 1-2. Paul says, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience, also bearing witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Wow, what love that is. You know, we don't deserve the love that we receive in Jesus, but when his love becomes a reality to us. You know, we start to sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Once was lost and now I'm found blind, but now I see. We have the cure. We have the answer. We know what others need. Maybe we don't know all the details yet, but we know the the essence, the, the foundation. We, we know where people can start. Listen, what kind of love do you have for those that God has put around you? What kind of love do you have for your pastors, for your leaders who serve you? You know, do you appreciate those people who sowed seeds in your life? and maybe led you in a repentance prayer and helped to water baptize you and teach you foundations of the faith, I will never forget my pastor, Ronald Routon, who led my family to Jesus. My stepfather's in heaven because of that man. You know, my mom is living for Jesus. My brothers are living for Jesus. My sisters are living for Jesus. You know, my my wife and my kids, they know Jesus. And it was all because of the seeds that this man put 
in our heart to his family, laid down their lives for us so that we might know Christ. Friend, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't just you know, point the finger at others and say, you're not as on fire. What do you mean by if somebody's not as on fire as you are? Are you talking about zeal? Are you talking about passion? Are you talking about something, some type of ministry that you like to do that maybe somebody else uh, doesn't do what you do, but they do something different? You see, it's uh, maybe you don't see somebody raising their hands when they worship. There's so many outward things that we easily criticize each other by. But the reality is, unless we're in community and building relationship with people, it's easier to judge them and say that they're traditional and they don't have what I have in Jesus. Friend, I want to encourage you to serve traditions at times in order to reveal relationship. Now, I'm not telling you to stay in a situation where obviously the, uh, you know, they're teaching that, uh, you know, you can become a God or, you know, uh, that the leader is God. You know, we have that problem with the group here on the island of Mindanao and already. And, and there's lots of people who, who teach bad theology. And I'm not saying you just stick it out there if it's obviously, you know, going to cost you or affect your walk with God. But I am saying that greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And we've got to be a witness for Jesus. We've got to tell people about the love of the Father. And sometimes the people that we need to tell, we need to do who are share with who's right next to us. People we are neighbors with, the people we work with, we go to school with, the people we go to church with. Listen, my friend, being faithful to Jesus for yourself is, is powerful. And that's where it all starts. But when you're willing to serve others, the patience and joy God gives you will transform lives around you. You know, there's an interesting thing that if you look in John chapter 4, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he tells her that he's the water of life and that that salvation is like a fountain of living water springing up from within you. That's what it's like when we get saved, when we surrender our life to Jesus. But then Jesus later on says that, when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's like a river will come from our innermost being, from our belly. You see, when we're saved, we have a fountain of living water flowing up within us, and that belongs to us. But when we're reconciled to Jesus at the same time comes this fervor to evangelize, to witness, to go make disciples. Listen, are you praying for the lost? Do you have a broken heart for family members and friends that don't know Jesus? I want to encourage you, before you react to what others say and what others are doing around you, it's always easier to leave instead of knowing what God's will is in a situation. What would Jesus do? Jesus could have resisted going to the cross, but he now allowed nails to go through his hands and feet. 
He had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was whipped and beaten. His back was ripped open by chips of bone and, and glass with the whipping that took place on his back. You know, he, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our sins. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Friend, are you healed today? If you're healed, that means you have a heart for others. That means God's love is permeating through your life and you and I are called to be the salt and the light of the earth. I want to encourage you today, serve where you are and let the relationship that you have with Jesus go and transform lives around you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.